Hey there, welcome back. Just posted Bite of Touch podcast live streamed just now. And let's see what else is going on. Obviously, Diaper Donald's still running free. Worst domestic terrorist in human history. They screwed themselves. Republicans make fatal mistake and lose the future. Mea culpa. Streamed 11 hours ago. Ooh, Crockett torches House Republicans. It's gonna be good. Lovely Jasmine Crockett. Love me some Jasmine. Um, freezing huh I don't want to play they don't want you to hear this okay anyway we're gonna go we'll go back to I just touch if they'll let me thanks for 320k even though it's just law enforcement hope you learned something boys and girls by the way you better be nice to me I'm I might probably be gonna be your boss next year this time next year Bitches. Yeah. Like half the half the Pima County bad apples are gonna be set free. Diaper Don suggests ninety eight percent of his reporters would fall would fail cognitive decline test. Oh <laughs> well. Um He won't know the difference. <laughs> All right, so spotted on New York. Sign up for the new most. Eight hundred eighty-three point three million. Ha ha ha! Keep talking, loser. <laughs> it's written on the sidewalk in front of the Trump sign. Congratulations, Miss Carol. Miss Carol. Yo. Okay, the time. Okay. Keep talking, loser. Diaper Don's 83.3 million verdict is just to start next week. He's likely to be hit with another verdict. <laughs> in the civil fraud case in the hundreds of millions. Watch Legal Air for the latest. Ha ah, ha ha. You know we can hear you right. Fed up in the CNBC host exposes Republican border sham and musty takedown. Okay, this sounds good. This is bullshit. There's no invasion, motherfucker. Meet Remarkable 2. A revolutionary new way to take no notes. No invasion. I've covered this. There's a great content creator who was a uh, 
border patrol, senior border patrol agents here in Arizona. In fact, I've sent her some messages hoping we could be friends because when I win my sheriff race, she would be a great deputy. Meet Remarkable 2, a revolutionary new way to take notes with a paper feel never experienced before on a digital device. Millions of ink particles are precisely controlled for instant response and an unmatched writing experience. Mm -hmm. It even makes that familiar sound. Remarkable 2 brings digital powers to your notes and printouts. Convert your handwriting into text, transfer PDFs and eBooks, and write directly on the page. No more printing or carrying heavy papers. Remarkable 2 is the most advanced paper tablet ever. Designed to make paper, paper and thinking even better. <laughs> Remarkable. He doesn't want us to solve the border problem because he wants to blame uh, Biden for it is, uh, is really appalling. He offered a solution early on and invited bipartisan work. Let's work on it to fix this. You know, we want to fix it. They want to run on it. Lots of Republican leaders are out there saying this deal is basically as good as it's ever going to get. But of course, there is just one big problem. We all know the real reason Trump wants to tank this deal. He doesn't actually care about solving the problem at the border. He wants the problem. He wants the issue to run on. It's the fear mongering. And even Fox News are calling to attention the gross party of our country politics of Republicans regarding the border. You know it's bad. In one of the issues related to the border that he was trying to do. So you can't decide when you like Supreme Court decisions and when you don't. Democrats have had to learn that the hard way at times. So I think the Supreme Court will increasingly be weighing in here. But I found very interesting reporting we're getting today that Donald Trump and his allies are pressuring Republicans in Congress not to come to some sort of compromise on the border and immigration. We actually know that they're getting pretty close. Senators from both parties are working very hard here. Yesterday, Mitch McConnell told the Republican caucus that they're in a tough position because Trump doesn't actually want Biden to be able to, quote, get a win on this by signing something, even though signing that piece of bipartisan legislation would help with the border. Would it would not. It, HR but it would help. But there, are a lot of, but there are a lot of Republicans who believe that this compromise, Democrats control the Senate and Republicans control the House. We have to compromise. They are close. Donald Trump is telling his allies not to vote for it so he can run on it in November. That, to me, is dereliction of duty. Biden is ready to sign something if Congress will send it to him. And they had two years. Republicans should get on board. After spending the past few months screaming about the need for drastic new measures regarding the border, when presented with the perfect opportunity to try and come to an agreement and strengthen resources at the border, Republicans, of course, have since retreated. Right, which is why uh, some people are saying, why not pass the fourteen million dollar supplemental uh, bill that, that President Biden has put before you to at least try to help with some of these that, issues? That won't solve. That no, won't solve any of the problems no. I just articulated. Right, that no, won't no. do a darn thing. Well, no. it, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the people in the Border Patrol agents that, that you're with think it might do something, at least in terms of making their job a little easier for the next month no, or so. No, actually they don't, they don't. They don't want the $14 billion? Why? Because how can you possibly feel monger over a resolution? There is no micro-caravan to campaign on if those put in power to actually govern, dare I say it, do so. I mean, they don't want a deal, period, full stop. They don't want a deal. They don't want to make this quote-unquote, campaign win for Joe Biden. It says everything you need to know about the fraud that they're perpetuating on the issue of the border. They want to make this a political issue. Consistently, they have wanted to make it a 
as a border state governor, no one has to introduce me to this issue, with the largest port in the Western Hemisphere in the state of California. We live this. And I think it is a disgrace what the Republican Party is doing, what Donald Trump is doing. And this is hidden in plain sight. He sent out a tweet or some truth, whatever, saying, kill it. And these guys are so weak. How bad? It's so pathetically weak. This Republican Party and the new speaker said, oh, yes, sir, what else would you like us to do? We don't care about America. We don't care about our freedoms and liberties. We care about politics exclusively at the expense of the American people. Because all we care about is winning for winning's sake. That is shameful. While discussing this matter on MSNBC, former White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki pointed out this gross dereliction of duty by the Republicans don't want to fix something that they can run on. They just want chaos. Senate Republicans have been working on a bipartisan package that includes increased border security, something they say they want, and new funding also for Ukraine. It's definitely imperfect, this bill. But just sticking with the Republican electorate here, lots of Republican leaders are out there saying this deal is basically as good as it's ever going to get. But of course, there is just one big problem. The president actually uh, just got off the phone with me right before the show. And he said he had spoken to you about this deal, and he is against it, and he urged you to be against this deal. He was extremely, President Trump was extremely adamant about that. Um, your reaction to that, given the fact that, look, he already, he knows how to do this enforcement stuff. You don't need some new bill coming out of the, uh, the Senate to get the border enforced. Yeah, President Trump is not wrong. He and I have been talking about this um, uh, pretty frequently. I talked to him uh, night before last about the same subject. There it is. You can always rely on Mike Johnson, by the way, to take direction from his boss, Donald Trump, when necessary. But we all know the real reason Trump wants to tank this deal. He doesn't actually care about solving the problem at the border. He wants the problem. He wants the issue to run on because it is the fear-mongering the scare tactics that he is betting on to excite his voters and his base. And neither they or their cult leader are hiding it. Trump has now openly said that he's hoping for a recession, gas prices to go up, and that the border issue remain unresolved so that he can bolster his chances. The fear among Trump and his allies that cutting a deal could give Joe Biden something to campaign on, clearly driving the negotiations, clearly driving the political reality and the legislative outlook here on this major issue, John. Oh, we'll find out if there are even negotiations anymore after what McConnell said and where Trump stands at this point. We'll have to see what happens next. Mitch, I mean, for anyone not awake to U.S. politics, right, the sheer stupidity of it can be summarized over this specific issue. Donald Trump, currently not in office, was able to kill a GOP bill to stop the border and fentanyl crisis so that he can use it as an election issue to run on, then inherit back if he gets in office. Just for a second, ponder how dumb that is. How irresponsible, selfish, but very much common it is in U.S. politics. And we offered a solution early on and invited bipartisan work. Let's work on it to fix this. And in fact, we have right now a proposal for $14 billion so that we can put more resources to address this very situation, and um, we hope and, 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 and are really trying to compel, um, in particular some of the Republicans in Congress, to participate in the solution. But sadly, uh, you know, we want to fix it. They want to run on it. They want a, they want a political issue to run on, 
in November. Well, it's working, honestly. Well, I don't, I think that, listen, I, again, I start, I go back to where I started. The, the situation is such that the system is broken and it needs to be fixed and we have offered a solution. And real leaders ought to lead on this, meaning not play politics with it, but work with us. I think Senate, the problem. It's not as if this is some radical bill that opens the floodgates that Republicans vehemently oppose. There are countless Republican officials who are calling to attention how egregious it is that this bipartisan bill be halted for political motivation. To the point in which, as I said, even Fox News can't deny it. You just framed it like Donald Trump swanned into the Senate and is bullying Mitch McConnell. That's exactly and what that he's doing. Horse manure. Exactly no, that doing. is exactly the way that it was written by the media. Love this video? Make sure you stay up to date on the latest breaking news and all things Midas by signing up to the Midas Touch newsletter at MidasTouch.com/newsletter. It was spectacular, so beautiful. I thought I was going to heaven. Right. Republicans bluff is called and they get instantly exposed. So, folks, here's the current condition of MAGA. So, for many, many, many months now, MAGA Republicans at the direction of Donald Trump were saying that they were not going to provide any funding at all to Ukraine. Donald Trump says that Russia is not a threat. Donald Trump says that NATO needs to be uh, reconfigured and basically means that NATO needs to be dismantled. So the MAGA Republicans taking their orders from Donald Trump to not fund Ukraine. So that's data point one. So Democrats and some of the reasonable Republicans who remain said, okay, bet, well, let's try to find a deal then because we understand that you want to try to help Vladimir Putin here and not provide necessary funding to Ukraine, which is very dangerous and very odd, to say the least. But why don't we do a package deal where we can bring everybody together? Because MAGA Republicans, um, we hear you and Fox talking about uh, the border every single day. And by the way, making lots of misrepresentations about the border. But Democrats also believe that there are urgent issues that need to be addressed at the border. So why don't we come together and solve all of these issues together? Why don't we actually do some work and reach a deal? What if we package together Ukraine funding, which MAGA Republicans don't want, with a very strong border deal, which MAGA Republicans claim that they do want, and this way we can try to resolve both issues, which are both in the interest of our country. What an elegant solution right there. But then what's the MAGA Republican response? Well, then Donald Trump gives MAGA Mike Johnson the orders, saying, hey, MAGA Mike, you do not do a border deal because that could help President Biden in his reelection. And it is a winning issue for Republicans to whine about the border and not actually have a solution, Donald Trump tells MAGA Mike Johnson and Fox and other MAGA Republicans. So let's make sure there's no deal at all and let 
me be the person to run on I alone can fix it, even if that harms the country. So then the MAGA Republicans who take their orders. I mean, look, MAGA Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, is basically a coffee boy for Donald Trump at this point. And MAGA Mike says, okay, then we're not going to do any border deal at all. And MAGA Mike actually says there can be no border deal unless Donald Trump is in office. I mean, how pathetic can you absolutely be that that is the situation? And you may say, well, Ben, that's your spin on it. You're, you're a trustworthy newscaster, but show me the data and show me the details. So let's just take a look at all of this. And the first data point I want to show you, I want to show you what Mitt Romney is saying, Republican who's been negotiating a bipartisan Senate deal that Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans in the House have now killed um, or are doing everything they can to kill. So you had Mitt Romney, you had Senator Lankford from Oklahoma, you had Chuck Schumer. I mean, when you get Democratic Senator Chuck Schumer from New York, Oklahoma Senator James Lankford with Mitt Romney, Utah's senator, in a room together, and you come up with a deal that's the strongest and toughest immigration law in generations, you would think that would be a win for everybody who's been talking about these issues. Um, but no, Donald Trump says, I don't want that to happen. And here's Mitt Romney talking about just that, that it was Donald Trump who's killing the bipartisan immigration bill because Trump perceives it is a winning issue for him to be a whiner to whine about the border. Play this clip of Mitt Romney. Oh, I, I, think, I think the border is a very important issue for uh, Donald Trump. Uh, and the fact that he would communicate to uh, Republican senators and Congress people that he doesn't want us to solve the border problem because he wants to blame uh, Biden for it is, uh, is really appalling. But the, but the reality is that, that uh, we have a crisis at the border. The American people are suffering as a result of uh, what's happening at the border. Uh, and someone running for president ought to try and get the, you know, the problem solved as opposed to saying, hey, save that problem. Don't solve it. Uh, let me take credit for solving it later. Okay, let's... All right, it's game time. We're going to watch the Bucks game, too. Giannis already got 20 points in the first quarter. Late pass goes hard. Let's check out the Jimmy Buckets is on fire. Him the late... Okay, let me show you another Republican right now. Dan Crenshaw, a Republican from Texas who called out MAGA Republicans who are now saying that they won't support President Biden's border policy because of Ukraine aid or because it will help Biden politically. And by the way, Dan Crenshaw, someone who on a lot of other issues I disagree with, but when it comes to issues like this, Dan Crenshaw, who's basically been exiled by the MAGA fraction or faction, um, here's what Dan Crenshaw has to say. Republican, play this clip. And for whatever reason people come up with, they don't want it anymore. Um, that's going to be a pretty tough position to stand by. So, there's a, there's, so they're saying a couple of things. Well, we, we'll never vote for it if it's attached to Ukraine. Really? Like we get meaningful border policy if we trade it? You're not going to vote for that? So you want Russia to win more than you want border policy changes? You defend that. Um, some people say, oh, well, I mean, it'll, Biden wants it now because it's helpful to him politically. Okay. I want border security. That's, that's, what, I, that's what I told my constituents that I would do for them. So if we can get that deal, that's, that's a branch.
so I just showed you what Mitt Romney's saying, Republican. I showed you what Dan Crenshaw is saying, Republican. Here is what Adam Kinzinger says, a Republican, former Congress member, who's not MAGA and was thus pushed out of the Republican Party. The Republicans do not care about America. They care about power. If you're a Republican elected and you aren't speaking out against this travesty, you are complicit. And then from Jake Sherman of Punchbowl News, who covers Congress uh, every single day, he talks about how Mitch McConnell told a closed meeting of Senate Republicans this past week that the politics of the border has flipped for Republicans and cast doubt on inking Ukraine, of linking Ukraine and the border. Quote, when we started this, this is what Mitch McConnell said, when we started this, the border united us and Ukraine divided us. The politics have now changed, McConnell told his Republican colleagues. This is all about Trump, and McConnell referred to Trump as the likely nominee in the Republican Party, and that Donald Trump wants to run his 2024 campaign centered around complaining about immigration and not solving the situation. And McConnell, because he's weak, and this is what he does, we don't want to do anything to undermine him. We are in a quandary. Let me show you this flashback last week where Laura Ingraham on Fox threatened MAGA Mike Johnson, who went on the show, and both she and MAGA Mike said that they had received phone calls from Donald Trump shortly before this interview. She, Laura Ingraham falsely refers to Donald Trump as the current president. She goes, I received a call from the president. When you watch this, you go, you got a call from Biden? She goes, I got a call from the president who said that you really can't do this border deal. And then MAGA Mike says, I got a call from the president. I mean, this is some embarrassing, embarrassing stuff. Here, play this clip. The, the president actually uh, just got off the phone with me right before the show, and he said he had spoken to you about this deal and that he is against it, and he urged you to be against this deal. He was extremely, President Trump was extremely adamant about that. Um, your reaction to that, given the fact that, look, he already, he knows how to do this enforcement stuff. You don't need some new bill coming out of the, uh, the Senate to get the border enforced. Yeah, President Trump is not wrong. He and I have been talking about this um, uh, pretty frequently. I talked to him uh, night before last about the same subject. We don't have the text of whatever the Senate has cooked up yet. And, and so we have to reserve judgment, I think, to see what comes out of it. It doesn't sound... Cat food has been the same forever, and it's time for cat food to move into the 21st century. That's why you've got to try Smalls. Are you still feeding your cat kibble? Make mm -hmm. it your New Year's resolution. New Year's 50% inspired to bring in, came in. He was running away and now acts like they're his bros, that they're his buddies, they're hostages, as he and other MAGA Republicans call them. And here Josh Hawley talks about how the border deal is killed because it would help President Biden. Play this clip. Senator, is this deal dead, effectively? Oh, I hope so. It should be. If it's not dead yet, it should be dead. I mean, there is absolutely no reason to agree to policies that will just further enable Joe Biden. Now let me share with you a clip of President Biden, a speech that he gave. Now I hear people saying, well, look, I want President Biden to go out there and communicate these issues more and 
talk about this. He is. He is. I mean, you just say he is. Every day. This is one, I could show you a number of examples, but I'll just show you one speech that he gave very recently where he said, I want to make a deal with the Senate, but I have to have the support and get the legislation in order to direct the resources so I can enforce the law with the necessary resources. We need new technology. We need more border agents. We need a more expeditious adjudication process for people who show up. We need better technology. There are just things that have to happen in a deal. You can't enforce laws when the resources aren't there to enforce them from the outset. Here, I want to play this clip right here of President Biden. Play the clip. I've been clear from the very beginning, the system is broken. My first day in office, I sent Congress a comprehensive plan on immigration reform. My friends on the other side have done nothing with that. Over and over, I've asked for resources to step up action at the border. In October, I asked Congress to fund for funding that would add another 20 additional board, 22,000 additional border agents and officers. Hundreds of new immigration judges to make judgments on the spot. A new new detection equipment to stop fentanyl from coming into the country. And by the way, I've worked with China and Mexico to slow the flow of fentanyl in the United States. As I speak, it's way down. So let me be clear. My team has been at the table for weeks now on a partisan, with a bipartisan group of senators to negotiate a deal, including border. Because I believe we need significant policy changes at the border including changes in our asylum system to ensure that we have the authorities we need to control the border. And I'm ready to act. I think, I hope God willing, and the creek not rising, as my grandpa would say, you know, I think next week we ought to be able to work out something, at least in the Senate. And I'm hopeful it's going to be the bipartisan package the Senate is going to pass, God willing. Now, the question is for the Speaker and the House Republicans. Are they ready to act as well? They have to choose whether they want to solve a problem or keep weaponizing the issue to score political points against the president. I'm ready to solve the problem. I really am. Massive changes. And I mean it sincerely. Today, folks... You know, and, and just to give you some stats as well, because you know, we talk about here on the Midas Touch Network how MAGA Republicans create this like fan fiction of like Donald Trump did everything great and it was so perfect and everything was so good and slurred propaganda that's so, that is so contradicted by what the reality was. Even if you look at just kind of the issue of immigration and, and deportations, I mean, look, Donald Trump's focus was on, a, was building a wall that doesn't work and that wasn't built, um, which you can easily get around, and actually attacking lawful people who were showing up following the law and dividing the families and separating people so that you can have this kind of performative cruelty that his base eats up. But if you just look at what's gone under the Biden administration, the Biden administration has physically removed more migrants from the U.S. than any administration in history. There were almost 2.5 million Title 42 expulsions under President Biden. That's 35 times as many expulsions as people who were uh, put into the Remain in Mexico program under Trump. I mean, that's just a data point. And I, I understand people don't want to talk about that, but that's just what the data reflects. Or, you know, how about the fact that there were more uh, deportations 
under every single year by President Obama. You know, as, as one person pointed out, it's factually incorrect for Trump to claim he had the most secure border in history. Just false. When in 2019 under him there was more illegal immigration than during any one of Obama's eight years in office. That's just a bunch of made-up nonsense. Peter Heinlein, a DeSantis supporter, you know, was saying that. Like, I just want to stick to what the facts are here. You know, and so the videos that I showed you of Republicans, Romney, Crenshaw, Hawley, Maga Mike, Laura Ingraham, and then I showed you Biden, and you have Donald Trump's posts right here saying, don't do a deal. I mean, I'll, I'll just pull them up for you, but he says, unless it's the perfect deal, you know, you can't get it done. This is what he said. I do not think we should do a border deal. So he said, it's a post. I do not think that we should do a border deal, he says. And then he posted this week, don't do a border deal. Don't do a border deal. Again, I'm, I have confidence that MAGA Mike is not going to do the deal. Unless it's essentially perfect, we can't do it. And by perfect, he means cruel. He means doing things that are so anti-American and, and causing harm and trauma to human beings which is not what should be in a strong immigration bill, causing yeah. pain and suffering and death to other humans. That's what Trump means. That's what the MAGA Republicans want to see. And there's a way to deal with the border in a strong way that doesn't do that. And that's what the Senate was negotiating, that the MAGA Republicans have killed. You know, one thing I'll just say, though, you know, to their credit, this is from the Wall Street Journal's editorial board that I'll share with you right now. Um, that they put out, and they said, honestly, I, I, I think that Trump even has the political calculation wrong here as well, because whining about this while Democrats are trying to come up with a solution, and people know that and learn that, that could backfire on MAGA Republicans. From the Wall Street Journal editorial board, giving up on a border security bill would be a self-inflicted GOP wound. President Biden would claim, with cause, that Republicans want border chaos. Voter anger may over time move from Mr. Biden. They should call him President Biden. From President Biden to the GOP. And the public will have a point. So judge for yourself what you think is here. What do you think the issue is? But I wanted to give you the, the data. You decide. And share this video with people who you know who are concerned about that issue. Because all I did was show you the video. The videos I used, I showed you Republicans' words. I showed you what President Biden said, and I showed you why Republicans are killing you and what Trump's saying. So hit subscribe. We're on our way to 2 million subscribers thanks to your support. Oh, we hit 2 million. We're on our way to 3 million subscribers <laughs> thanks to your support. <laughs> Check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch, and also subscribe to our new newsletter. Cyberdon's latest idiotic motion will not go as he wants. I haven't worn a bra since I got I this. The Shaperman Scoop Neck Cami offers 360 compression. Donald Trump has joined one Six of his co-defendants, Michael Roman, in his effort to get Bonnie Willis disqualified from the case prosecuting them all. Don't forget, Michael Roman filed a motion accusing Bonnie Willis and another prosecutor on the case, Nathan Wade, who was hired specially for this case, 
of having an affair and made these uh, really outlandish accusations, <laughs> calling it, just calling it an affair, saying that he was inappropriately hired, that he's getting paid a ton of money, uh, <laughs> an inappropriate amount of money, and that Fonnie Willis is somehow benefiting Bullshit. by taking vacations with him. And Another Fonnie Willis and Nathan Wade haven't commented suit. publicly yet on whether or not these are true. They certainly haven't denied it. I assume they are true. But what is the scandal and what took Trump so long to join these allegations? But in any event, they filed a motion, his attorneys filed a motion uh, calling for the dismissal of Fonnie Willis in this case because of what they're calling alleged misconduct between her and her lead prosecutor. And in the filing that they filed, his attorneys joined this effort to dismiss the case. Um, basically suggesting that somehow uh, she benefited financially when he took her on vacation. It also points to public comments that Fonnie Willis recently made defending her choice to select him uh, by saying that she violated Georgia's rule for prosecutors and seeks to hold uh, Don, um, Fonnie Willis, the DA, accountable for misconduct as well as the public statements she's made about them. So they're adding something to the misconduct saying she isn't supposed to make extra judicial or outside of court statements saying that she has intentionally and falsely injected race into this case and that this is inappropriate when she made her comments at the um, Big Bethel AME Church in Atlanta on MLK Day and when she defended her team of prosecutors and called into question why only one of the three prosecutors that she brought on, especially from the outside, uh, was being attacked because the other two were white and they weren't being attacked and everyone's getting paid the same amount of money. So what her comments were, you know, is, is it that some will never see a black man as qualified no matter his achievements? What more can one achieve? The other two have never been judges, whereas Nathan Wade has, but no one questions their credentials. And, um, and they basically claim in this new filing, uh, Trump's lawyers, I think it was Stephen Sadow, his, his attorney who filed this, said that uh, Fonnie Willis made a calculated effort to foment racial bias against the defendants with her comments. And this runs the risk of prejudicing, prejudicing the public and prospective jurors. And they run afoul to Georgia's professional conduct rules adding um, that you can be disbarred for that, that she was trying to foment uh, racial animus and prejudice against defendants in order to divert and deflect attention away from her alleged improprieties. And this calls for sanction and disqualification. Now, uh, of course, it is absolutely appropriate for a prosecutor to respond to claims and allegations that are being made. Prosecutors are not supposed to make extrajudicial statements. It's um, against uh, public ethics rules, and you're not you're really not supposed to talk about a case outside of court. But one exception is you are allowed to respond to allegations that are being made, and she didn't directly uh, respond in the sense that she didn't deny or admit to. Um, having a romantic relationship, but she did point out what is obvious to everyone who has ever uh, been the subject of sexism or racism, 
which is the double standard that people like Bonnie Willis are held to. When I was a prosecutor at the Manhattan DA's office for three decades, I saw myself uh, how progressive prosecutors who were women of color were being held to a different standard than their white male progressive counterparts. Perfect example is the Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner. He, by all accounts, he's one of the most progressive prosecutors in the country, and you never see anyone coming after him or criticizing him or holding him to a, a crazy standard or scrutinizing his, scrutinizing his, his personal life, etc. In fact, most people don't know anything about him. They just let him do his job. But then you've got um, strong female, um, mostly women of color prosecutors, but it's also just strong women of color in this country generally who truly just get absolutely um, scrutinized in a way that nobody else does. And But you know what? I say, go ahead, Fonnie Willis. I welcome it for her. I have no problem with the fact that she is having potentially, let's just say it's true, a consensual relationship with a man who's going through a divorce. He's single. He has been for a couple of years, or at least he's in the process of becoming single. And she is too. And so they're on the same side of the aisle. It's not like he's defense attorney on this case or the judge on this case. That would be a conflict. And so this would be an office romance, which can be an HR problem. Uh, potentially, but not necessarily always. Uh, in fact, that is something, look, if he was, she is the DA, I guess she is technically his boss, but um, but at most this is an HR issue, not something that would lead to disqualification. I don't think it's a distraction. I don't think it's something that we should all be spending all this time on and divert attention away from the merits of the case. This case should go to trial on the merits and, um, and not be some sideshow of regarding Fonnie Willis's personal life and the fact that she's paying someone who has great reputation, who's a former judge, former defense attorney, trial lawyer, and who's known in Atlanta as uh, as a very well-respected lawyer. And by the way, she asked a lot of other um, attorneys to try to join her team, seasoned attorneys, and they all turned her down, which. Can you blame them? I mean, look what happens to your life if you uh, if you serve the public and join the prosecution team of one of Donald Trump's cases. Uh, you get death threats. Your family gets dragged through the mud. You get swatted. I mean, it's just it's you and, and you don't even really get paid that much money. Nathan Wade certainly didn't get paid that much money compared to what he can make in private practice. So this is this is just a distraction. I hope Judge McAfee sees it for what it is and doesn't allow a three ring circus to happen in February. And we'll absolutely shut this down. But of course, Donald Trump is joining in because why wouldn't he join in? Any chance he has to call out and bully somebody, he does. But there's nothing here. And, uh, and I think Bonnie Willis uh, should hold her head up high. She's a very strong woman who's doing God's work and a great <laughs> job. And she's a public servant. We should thank her for her service yeah. and leave her and her personal life alone. I'm Karen Friedman Agnifilo from Legal AF. Join me and my co-hosts every Wednesday and Saturday, Legal AF. Thank you. Love this video? Make sure you stay up to date on the latest breaking news and all things Midas by signing up to the Midas Touch newsletter at MidasTouch.com slash newsletter. Mm-hmm.
I want to buy your house. I can pay you cash for your house, no matter what condition it's in. I'm going to buy up all, the, you... ha all the houses, all the real estate in the country. 43% bought up by BlackRock already of the homes. They're trying to buy them all up, so nobody can, everybody just has to rent from them. Cyberdown totally trapped after 83.3 million verdict. <laughs> and Marcellus joined by Harry Littman Yay. of Talking Feds. Love the Talking Harry. Feds Judge podcast. Harry. The Talking Feds YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribed <laughs> to both. They're partnered oh. with the Midas Touch Network. Harry, got to talk about this $83.3 million defamation verdict against Donald Trump in the E. Jean Carroll defamation case. We've cover this from some different angles. I want to talk about what happens next now if you're E. Jean Carroll, then we can talk a little bit about what happens next. Uh, I wouldn't wish this upon an enemy. If you're Donald Trump and what and what you do- Oh, there, come but... on, you, you, you've, you've got a little bit of uh, jubilation. <laughs> but... um, so look, I you know, the, the two things are intertwined because what's happened to date, I mean, even at, on the, at this trial, He's gone on the courthouse steps and said to his political supporters, it's all a lie, I don't know, Fashion. et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, man, he's been to the left. I mean, Fashion. the lesson overall is, you know, defame me once, five million, defame me twice, 60, uh, 80 million. And I don't I don't think we'll beep, be beep. seeing him. It'll be very interesting to fame her three times. But even this, you know, this is basically a real verdict. He's got, if he wants to appeal it, he's got to pony up the money in a bond. It yeah. is, as we talked about in, in some other hot takes. It's Fashion. basically, even though it seems eye-popping, a lot of millions of dollars, it's kind of in the in the sweet spot of the range that courts of appeals will uh, endorse. So yeah. um, it seems to me, that, I mean, we'll see. Is he at the end of his you know cottage industry of defaming uh, e. Jean Carroll. From her point of view, I mean, I don't know. I think she has really been vindicated. It's not just the money, but she walked out of court today, you know, as a, as a victim and a woman with dignity. So often hasn't happened in the system. I think she kind of gives, uh, you know, a buoyed sense to women who've been in that position and known others who have been. You know, uh, she's 80 years old. I don't think she would relish uh, going at it uh, again, especially given the verdict she's going to receive. If he's um, inane enough to keep on with it, maybe. But uh, my guess is at least that part of the Donald Trump legal uh, parade of horribles, that is the E. Jean Carroll defamation franchise, I think is probably at an end, save only, of course, very, very important business of having this sustained on appeal. And to Fashion. me, it looks like it was pretty clean. Turn it looks like Berta Kaplan, her lawyer, didn't, you know, go overboard. I, it looked like Judge Kaplan was tough, but, I'm, you know, understandably so. And the bottom line amount, you know, I think it's going to hold up. Harry, well, E. Jean Carroll certainly has, I think it's undisputed, if she wants to a massive defamation case against Donald Trump again, where once again, liability would be stipulated. Donald Trump would be found liable for punitive damages. So it would just be a trial on the number based on all of the defamatory statements Donald Trump has made while this trial 
has been taking place because for purposes of this trial, the new defamatory statements actually did inform the underlying basis for compensatory. They were used, this was such a strategic, brilliant move by Roberta Kaplan. They were used, of course, to show what the potential uh, punitive damages could be, that he's gonna keep on doing this, look at him ratify his conduct that he previously did in 2019. But what E. Jean Carroll's lawyer didn't do, because it would have delayed this trial, is bring an entirely new case or amend the case to add all of the new stuff that Donald Trump did, starting with that so-called CNN town hall. So question number one, Harry, she does have a case, does she bring it? But question number two, do you think she does what we saw um, Shea Moss do and Ruby Freeman do in the Giuliani case, where Giuliani kept defaming them afterwards? So they then brought an action not only for damages, but for injunctive relief. And do you think that E. Jean Carroll, it would go before the same judge, you then have some sort of restraining order, could be a temporary restraining or a first, then some order, protective order, final injunctive order, precluding Donald Trump from continuing to defame his rape victims, punishable by incarceration if right. he violates it. Do you think, what do you think about that strategy? Do you think they go in that direction? Well, remember what Moss and Freeman did. They didn't really bring a separate action, but he continued to Giuliani and, you know, talk about a, uh, you know, an, an imponderable psyche and what the hell happened to him. But he continued to do it and they went to the judge while the judge still had it under jurisdiction. It would really be the equivalent of Trump doing it tomorrow and they're going to Kaplan, that is, or, or E. Jean Carroll going to Kaplan. So it'll first depend whether... Um, Trump would be so foolish, and, and I think if then E. Jean Carroll could go to Kaplan, it would be a whole different thing, as I was suggesting, that she would she then, in addition, go through the ordeal, and it is an ordeal, of, uh, of, of suing him again. My best guess, though, and this is what's kind of monumental about today, is that she has shut him up. We'll see, right? It's very hard shut up Donald Trump. But I think we're not going to be seeing him continue to defame her. But if, as, while um, Kaplan has jurisdiction for 30 days or whatever, if, she, if, if he does do it, he can get, uh, it, it's certainly true that she can go to him. I want, and, you know, he was ready, was Kaplan to throw Haba in jail. I think he would have no trouble saying, uh, you know, I'm ordering you not to Trump under pain of contempt. That means the pokey. But I really think we've crossed a, a line there. We'll see. You know, I, it's uh, people who have bet on Trump to behave have always lost their money. But, man, he's lost his money today. And I just I, I, I think he's going to rail against Biden, rail against uh, Smith, rail against Kaplan, but not rail against E. Jean Carroll. So he won't he won't give the opening for the kind of move that Moss and Freeman made in Georgia. You know, I'm reminded of that moment before the January 6th insurrection where the top acting Department of the Department of Justice officials showed up and basically yeah. said to Trump, if you appoint this Jeff Clark MAGA extremist as attorney general, we are all going to humiliate you. Yeah. And they stood up with force and power and they were in the Oval Office and they yelled at him, and they shut him up, yeah. and they put him in his place. And we've seen that when people act 
that way, the same way we saw Judge Kaplan act, and frankly, the way I hope we were all raised to act sometimes when having to deal with bullies, right. Donald Trump does back down a lot. And, and if you provide that force and he's scared and he goes into self-preservation mode, his kind of malignant narcissism and survival mode is to try to throw people under the bus, but then he kind of scurries away kind of like a, like a rat. And that's something that we see over and over again. So in many ways, to your point, yes, $83.3 million is a real verdict. We know from Donald Trump's list of liquid assets that that actually represents a significant portion of <laughs> liquid assets in a way that is going to hurt him. But in many ways, the broader message, you said it before, it kind of pierced this veneer of power that was really just this projection, this whiny nonsense. He's a yep. loser in a way that hasn't been demonstrated before ever yet throughout his disgraceful, uh, whatever you want to call it, with this country, Eric. Yeah. Uh, look, I totally, it can, yeah, I mean, I'll go with your point is really the bigger one here. It can be done. He is not a superhuman. And why it's so important is, you know, it's anybody's guess, and, and uh, we've done it for years, but maybe that path lies madness, but it does seem to me like a big part of the support he continues to enjoy is because of this almost like, you know, adolescent fantasy that, oh, Donald Trump can do whatever. He doesn't have to do stuff like I do, and then and he gets away with it, and the get away with it part really was uh was stripped from him today he'll you know there are other aspects that he'll be put to the test including legal ones and you you mentioned anger on man he's going to get shellacked next week and that guy's uh but, you know he's he's really taking it big time on the chin i'm uh, you know remember when mike tyson comes in against buster douglas no way he can lose and all of a sudden you know in fact he's a human being trump is a human being and so much of his I think um, popularity and the plausibility that we're looking at of his becoming of all things president again, notwithstanding what he says he'll, he would do with that power, uh, has to do with this, uh, you know, illusion that I think was, uh, well, we won't say smothered, Pierce put to, put to rest forever today, but it certainly took a big hit. And, you know, we'll see what it means, not just, you know, the most extreme zealots, they'll stick with him, but at seven or eight percent of persuadables, which really the whole election uh, turns on, you know that if if he's not Donald Trump, the invincible anymore, uh, he, he certainly doesn't. You know, a lot of a lot of his appeal, uh, I think, goes away. And Mike Tyson, he said that everybody has a plan until they get punched <laughs> in the face. And frankly, I'm not sure Donald Trump, though, even had a plan using using that description right there. I mean, if Trump's plan was to have Alina Haba, a very inexperienced, um, kind of horrible and also delusional kind of person there, you know, it's one thing to not be good, but to think you're outsmarting federal Judge Kaplan and to think, as she said, that if you're pretty, you could fake being smart and then, you know, you know go there with that kind of awe confidence and just get 
know, completely schooled by the legal system and basic rules of evidence. I mean, it just kind of shows further that Trump's just in, like, there's a basic level of, of incompetence, dealing with incompetent people. And so this was a, a, a microcosm or a macrocosm, whatever you want to say, yeah. of a lot of the systemic kind ah. of horrific issues when it comes to Trump and MAGA. And you could apply this to other areas, whether it's him attacking Dr. Fauci, whether it's him trying to attack military leaders and describe our military systems in terms of, you know, it's like a ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, swoosh, swoosh. And I'm just like, all right. We just have to reflect that this is like an idiot. <laughs> like, this isn't some sport dealing with an idiot. Um, anyway, I'll save that for my political rants. Any final words, Harry, before we well, go? Well, I think it's a really good point. First of all, uh, Haba strikes me as a perfect Trumpian figure. And what we're finding out is there's a real world where law applies and, and jurors apply it. And uh, where, you know, not just lying. You know, yeah, she, she, she was incompetent and she was dishonest. But more she was like inept and unlikable and that you know so what <laughs> what uh trump really confronted um this week were you know people's judgment about what is right and true and decent and you know he justifiably got um clobbered for it that and hopefully that's a broader political point as well thank you harry Littman. everybody make sure you subscribe to the talking feds YouTube channel. Do that right now. Harry puts out a bunch of hot takes every single day. So if you like the stuff we do here, we partner with Talking Feds on YouTube. So check out their YouTube channel. They're on their way to 250,000 subscribers. So help them get their uh, body the spit in the ocean for in the Midas world, but we're, we're happy with it. And thanks for your help with it, by the way. Well, and all, everyone who listens. We all, we all grow together. We all bring our team up together. So everybody make sure you subscribe right. to Talking Fed. Thank you everybody so much for watching. Subscribe here. We're on our way to 3 million subscribers. Start, we all got to start. We all got to start. <laughs> everybody, thanks for watching and, and, and go check out Talking Fed. Love this video? Make sure you stay up to date on the latest breaking news and all things Midas by signing up to the Midas Touch nice. newsletter at MidasTouch.com slash newsletter. So, I put on to be thrown in jail with Judge's next move. Yay! Yeah. What's next move? Stop threatening me. Let's get a good time, man. Thanks to 320K, even though it's just law enforcement. Michael Popak, Legal AF, in the aftermath of the E. Jean Carroll jury time. verdict, we have another open question. Which is, will the judge impose a permanent injunction on Donald Trump that only a federal judge can do, and only a judge can do, to stop him from continuing his <laughs> campaign of violent rhetoric and defamation to try to snub out and snuff out the dignity of E. Jean Carroll. Will Judge Kaplan impose such a injunction? Now let me explain the difference between what the jury has done with its jury verdict and what a judge can do as part of their equitable inherent authority to, to impose an injunction. Now generally, in defamation cases, the jury verdict and its size is large enough. But as 
Alina Haba, I'm sorry, as E. Jean Carroll's lawyer, Robbie Kaplan said to the jury, you must make Donald Trump pay dearly. As Shane Crowley, the lawyer in the rebuttal close, told the jury, you must come up with a number that's sufficient to stop this incessant attack on our client. Only you can do that. But sometimes numbers aren't enough, no matter how high they are, no matter how stratospheric the number is. If for a person with, with seemingly unlimited resources who uses other people's money, including his followers, separating them from their checks and their donations and their money and using it to pay for his legal fees and using it to pay for these kind of judgments, getting money from the state of Florida that's proposing a $5 million litigation fund to give over to Donald Trump, their fearless leader, what do you do? Then you resort to the other powers of the arsenal you know, uh, in the, uh, of the judge in the courtroom. And what the judge can do is issue a permanent injunction. And Robbie Kaplan, the lawyer for Eugene Carroll, has asked for just that thing. Now, the judge will use the major fact-finding developed by the trier of fact, which is the jury, the nine-person jury, in reaching its verdict and conclusion. And they sift it through the evidence. But the judge knows the case as well. The judge also was a prime observer for other conduct and misconduct by Donald Trump and Alina Haba during the trial itself. How many times did we have to report on Legal AF and right here on the Midas Touch Network about Donald Trump saying and doing things inappropriately in front of the jury and being admonished by the judge, being warned that he could be found in contempt? Alina Haba, the same thing. Even during the closing arguments, Alina Haba was warned several times by the judge that if she persisted in a line of inquiry that he had already foreclosed, the judge had already foreclosed, she would be looking at serious consequences, including potentially being taken into federal detention in jail by the federal marshals. The judge saw all this, saw Donald Trump stand up in a rude, disrespectful, and misogynist way as Roberta Kaplan gave the closing argument in favor of her client, E. Jean Carroll, and a judged rape victim, and a judged rape victim who's already, the court and judges have already found to have been defamed. During closing argument, in a case about a rape victim, Donald Trump got up and walked out of the courtroom. And some of his lawyers, like Boris Epstein, almost followed right behind him until the judge said, sit down. You're a lawyer. Sit down. And Mr. Trump can go walking around, and we'll note that for the record and for the jury. So the judge has observed an out-of-control, unhinged, uh, compromisingly compromised Donald Trump. So what to do about the problem called Donald Trump? Money sometimes is jail. not enough. And as I posit on this hot take, sometimes you got to reach into that tool bag of a judge and impose a permanent injunction. When we talk about what a permanent injunction is, where the power of the judge comes from to do it, and then what happens next if Donald Trump violates that order of contempt, or that, I'm sorry, that, that permanent injunction leading to an order of contempt. What you feed your dog goes a long way to helping oh them lead God. their best no, life. No, 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 no for 50% do or not do something. Uh, as part of the administration of justice and the administration of civil justice has powers, including the power to order someone to do or not do something. In this case, if he enters the in permanent injunction, which Roberta Kaplan on behalf of Eugene Carroll is going to ask for, or has already asked for at the conclusion of this trial, judge will have a hearing, will have briefing first, and then he may have an oral argument in a hearing. And then he can make his own observations about what he observed about the acting out improper conduct and misconduct of Donald Trump and his lawyers during the trial itself, including 
continuing outside the courtroom to do exactly what he was not allowed to do inside the courtroom, which was to deny that the rape happened or that he knew the woman and suggested again the exact same defamatory statements that, that put him on trial twice. He did it the night before the closing arguments. Here's a clip. I don't even know who this woman is. 